Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. A podcast where I try to catch up my friend Gabriel on everything I think he missed throughout the years that he was homeschooled and sheltered from the outside world, where he missed out a lot of what I think was important about the 90s and the early 2000s. nineteen ninety six Nelson Mandela stepped down as president of South Africa the domain myspace.com came online the Czech Republic applies for membership of the European Union and Fox News Channel begins broadcasting Gabe quick recap where are you in 1996 living my best life in uh, sunny Southern California Rancho Cucamonga uh lots of outside uh and uh, imaginative play um i uh have almost an acre to roam on there's some citrus trees there's one big i don't even actually know which kind of tree this one was in the yard man i should have figured that out with this big tree that we we made a swing on was um, it that was it that uh that old-fashioned like tire swing so close i think it was even less sophisticated because it was a rope over the branch and then it was like a wooden board with like holes drilled in it okay i've seen that on tv so like i mean it you know if you want to count the drilling holes as a little bit more effort involved it's a piece of wood it's not even a tire it's not a manufactured thing so pretty low tech but fun had a lot of fun on that swing so you know i'll tell you i didn't have a backyard until 1998 and there were no trees in that well no conventional trees, you know, like it was in South Central. So, and um, those are normally reserved for the cars that somebody's working on. So, so there was never. That's pretty sure that's the law. A swing in the back. So, in 96, I'm living on 14th and Western, a house. Uh, my mom had, had, had been able to uh, secure us a, a, a house to live in. Uh, I was sharing a bedroom with two of my brothers. Uh, the backyard was a parking lot for the apartment building next door. Um, yeah, no, 90, uh, you know, uh, across the street from a, from a nightclub, um, you know, a couple blocks away from a, a swap meet. Uh, not a lot going on. Not a lot going on. But still, like, you know, traveling down western to... To, to Melrose on the bus and then Melrose up to Fairfax. That was a good hour and 45 minute bus ride every morning, which again, I could have gotten to school at eight, but instead I went to Okie Dog a couple blocks away from my school where me and my uh, friends at the time would uh, kill an hour or so doing teenage stuff. Just having theological discussions. Probably. You know it. And then, you know, stumbling uh, to school around nine or 10. The way the way you do the way you do the um, most LA live, you know, I I am very fortunate. I I am telling you, man. Like the more I think about uh, the life experience that I had to other people's life experience, I'd, I'd uh, yeah, I'd, in those formative years for me, LA was a good place for me. LA was a fantastic place for me, and uh, and even now when I when I when I think back on those times, I'm like. I, even though I did so much, I still feel I squandered that time because I would have done so much more. 
you know, but in retrospect, obviously everything is like, you could have done so much more, but I did so much and it was just so amazing. Yet still, uh, I'm like, man, so many missed opportunities, even, even though I, I, I was able to accomplish so much. And to the point where like, it was detrimental to my education, obviously, because I was not concentrating on schools and concentrating on personal growth, I want to say. Um, but, uh, but no, 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 it was just, again, no regrets whatsoever because that time and place was perfect for me and what that place is now, I don't think me teenager would be able to handle what it is now because now it's, it's one of the most popular places in Los Angeles, you know, like Fairfax right. and Melrose is a staple now. Back then there was a silent movie theater across the street from my school for crying out loud, you know, CBS studios was three blocks away. The park that I used to ditch to, Pan Pacific Park, was three, four blocks away. Now you you couldn't do what we got away with back in the day, which you know, doing things and missing school. I'll say that much. But yeah, no, I, I, just, exactly. I don't know why, but I've been in a, a bit of a nostalgic kick when I think about those those years and the things I was able to do and get away with. But at the same time, what so much more I could have done and gotten away with. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and speaking of things that we did and got away with, let's talk about movies. So this is a big one because I feel like, I feel like this movie, um, revitalized horror films, uh, slasher films, right? So, uh, the movie I'm talking about is Scream. Did you watch Scream ever or around that time? No, never. Uh, I am familiar with it. It was a very popular, uh, for Halloween costumes, I want to say. Very interesting. Yeah, I think um, the name of the character was Ghostface, right? Uh, was it that? Um, hang on. Ghostface or? Yeah, I wasn't like Screamface, was it? <laughs> that would be too. So. <laughs> yeah, Ghostface Killer, no? Or is that the rapper Ghostface Killer? I feel like that might be. Yeah, hang on. Let's, let's take a peek here. Scream. Yeah, I think it's just Ghostface. Okay, Ghostface. That that costume I remember everywhere, in right? The years following. Yeah, everybody did it. I remember we had a specifically at uh, we had for our gymnastics class one year. That was what uh, one of the adults came as, and I remember. So for those of you who haven't seen it, um, directed by the great and one of horror's greatest directors, Wes Craven. The gentleman responsible for the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, uh, The Hills of Eyes, uh, Last House on the Left, and The People Under the Stairs, I believe. The film stars an ensemble cast, uh, Nev Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, Jamie Kennedy, and Drew Barrymore. I think it, it uh, I think you could say it was a, it was a, Box office success, uh, $15 million budget, uh, went on to gross $200 million in the first film. And again, the franchise that it created with the numerous sequels. But yeah, but I think I, I think it did a couple things, right? It did, it did, like I said, like there was a time, you know, after the Halloween and the Friday the 13th and the Nightmare on Elm Street and then them going to 6, 7 and whatnot. I think that we had a lull when it came to horror films. And I think Scream came and kind of revitalized that, as I mentioned before, because based on that, then we ended up with like, I know what you did last summer and, and like Jeepers Creepers and all these other films. 
in that same style that was very different from like the 80s, you know, uh, horror films. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember watching the first one. Maybe the second one never went down the franchise. I know they remade it in the last couple of years. Um, rebooted it, I should say. But yeah, no, I thought Scream was a, was a decent film. I really thought it was. The next movie we're going to talk about, uh, Mission Impossible comes out in 1996, Gabe. Did you watch the original? Uh, I've definitely seen it. It's been a very long time. I have to think it was like, I didn't see it at, in 96. I would have seen it probably like late 90, early 2000. Did you go down the franchise and watch like, what is it now? Eight movies or seven movies, I believe? I want to say I've I've seen like the first three. So not the later ones. No. Those are the good ones, bro. Well, I mean, there's a certain there's a certain uh, nostalgia for the ones in the in the early part of the franchise when you know. I tend to not rewatch those. I've rewatched like uh, Ghost I mean, Protocol, Rogue Nation, um, and those other ones are more than the original. Okay, so the original was directed by Brian De Palma, who is an insanely good director right uh carrie scarface the untouchables carlito's way uh produced and starring tom cruise uh also i think the main villain was john void uh spoiler alert uh ving rhymes is in it Kristen scott um jean reno mr leon the professional was in it 37 million dollar budget no i'm sorry uh 80 million dollar budget 370 million gross worldwide so quite the successful film and again i think seven movies or eight movies sequels since uh i was again like i liked the original i was a fan of the original tv show from the 60s and the 70s so seeing it uh rebooted into a film with tom cruise was great I, but I, I have to tell you, the, the later films, I think the last four have been more up my alley than the original three. Um, I think it's kind of like the um, Fast and the Furious, you know, like they've honed in on the on the big, 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 big uh, event, but not made it comical or unbelievable. They, this is still somewhat believable. The stunts still look somewhat believable as opposed to Fast and Furious where Tom Cruise know, is still doing them. He is still doing them. He is. You know, I was listening to a podcast, the um, the Talkville podcast with uh, Michael Rosenbaum and uh, and Tom Welling from Smallville, and they said something very interesting, where they said, you know, because they were they, they were doing that show in their twenties, right? They, that that show was on for about a decade, um, and they were like, yeah, I, you know, they're like, we were young, we didn't know what we were doing as actors. So we wanted to be in every scene, even the scenes that didn't show our faces, you know, like little did we know, like there's a, there's a stand in, there's a, there's a stunt double for you for all these scenes. And every time you chose to do that, you were taking away from scenes that they could have done because they get paid per stunt per scene. So they were like, so on top of hurting ourselves, we were also taking away from these individuals livelihood. And I hadn't thought about it in that sense. And I'm like, cause, cause you know, you hear about like, oh, well, you know, like George Clooney is always on set. He's always on every scene. He's always doing the, you know, the the off screen like readings and stuff like that. And then you hear about like um, Harrison Ford still doing his stunts for the the uh, uh, Indiana Jones movies. Uh, but then putting that into perspective, you're like, oh, you know, so Tom Cruise still doing his scenes. Great. But he's t- he's kind of taking away from someone's job. Just putting it out there. I wonder if it's the same at that level. Like if you're Mr. Tom Cruise's stuntman, 
Are you not doing pretty well, probably? As opposed, like, I get the TV one. Like, if you're on a TV show and there's probably different budgets and different grades involved, you know? It's got to be a little bit different than if you're, you know, Dwayne Johnson's stuntman. Okay. I mean, I'm not sure, but I would yeah. guess it was. Those guys always seem like they're having a good time. I mean, just putting that in your resume, I think, is enough of a good time, right? Well, also, to to be fair, the Dwayne Johnson one's not fair, because I think he gave his stuntman, like, who was his cousin, like, a truck or something like that, too, the last time they did something. He was just like, here you go, bro. Oh, I mean, when you're making Dwayne Johnson money, I, I suppose a truck is it, not... It becomes a common thing for him to just give people cars in his life. I I mean... Look, I'm looking forward to Black Adam, but I'm pretty sure he made forty million off of that. So even if yep. he gave away twenty trucks, it's still not a million. <laughs> <laughs> even in this economy. Even in this economy. All right, moving on to Space Jam. The original comes out in 1996. Did you watch Space Jam? Uh, I saw it much, much later. I don't know why we weren't allowed to see it at the time. It was probably too vulgar or something. Because of the Looney Tunes? I honestly, like, you know, in retrospect, I can't explain the rationale. Like, there's not, like, a chart that makes sense to me about what was and what wasn't. But maybe there was bad behavior being modeled or who who the hell knows. But I I did end up seeing it much later. But, yeah. For those of you who haven't seen the original Space Jam, it stars uh, basketball player Michael Jordan playing a fictional version of himself along with the with our personal favorites the looney tunes uh i think it's considered a box office success considering it went on to gross over 250 million and became um the the highest grossing basketball film which doesn't say much but the 10th highest grossing film of 1996 so uh i think an 80 million dollar budget uh uh, to uh, 250 uh, gross. I I remember watching it. I was a fan of Roger Rabbit, and I was a fan of, of well, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I was a fan of like Cool World. So that whole like transitioning between uh, animation and, and live action, I thought it was always very cool. I was a huge fan of the Looney Tunes, so I remember watching the original, uh, and I remember enjoying it. Now, I will be honest, I never watched the remake. I didn't watch the LeBron James one because I think it's one of those things where, like, nostalgia makes me keep... And now, I haven't seen Space Jam in 20 years, so I don't know how good it is anymore. But I remember the, the one or two times that I watched it in those first five years, I thought it was great. I thought it was fun. Um... But again, I don't know how it holds up. And I don't think I'm ever going to find out because I doubt I will ever watch that movie again. But it wasn't enough for me to be like, oh, yeah, I'm great. I'm happy to see there's a remake. Let me go ahead and catch it. I have not seen the original, uh, the the new one, and I don't plan on watching the new one. What about you and the new one? I haven't seen it either. And I think it suffers from a few things. Like, I think it suffers a bit from the appearance of just trying to cash in Mm -hmm. on, like, an idea. And less, less, you know, motivation to be a, you know, a, a fun sequel. I mean, some people liked it. I think it got pretty mixed reviews, though, from what I saw. And uh, it's hard to it's hard to beat nostalgia. And that the first one was just it hit at the time and place, and like everybody, everybody loved it. And you know, I think about nostalgia too. Like 
it's it's good when it was a positive uh impact right like like um there's this youtuber i follow who hits up flea markets and he always finds batman returns those uh those glass cups that, that yeah. mcdonald's did always find them everywhere right i'm not a fan of those movies but if there is a nostalgia that's that to him is positive like or, or not not positive but i should say there's a nostalgia to him where it's like fuck these things are everywhere um you know, so like when I think of the original Batman movies, the ones you still haven't seen, Gabe, um, I think positive, right? And then there's been so many iterations of it since that whenever I think of them, I think positive. While the ones with Val Kilmer and George Clooney, I think not so positive, so not going back. So I think there's always that, like, maybe if I watch them again, would I change my mind about them? you know, seeing them from a different perspective 20 years later, would, would they make a difference where the nostalgia changes from a negative to a positive or more understanding of what they were trying to accomplish? I don't right. know. Space Jam, though, like to me, very neutral. I remember it as a neutral film. Not great, not awful, different, new, exciting for its time. And it stayed there for its time. Yeah, I remember it being fun, but I also know that it was like tremendously. The first one was tremendously popular. I want to say, like, people loved that movie. I believe and so. I believe it so. Had a huge impact, and so a lot. Of, and it hit like you know a lot of. It was right around the time for people in my age group to be like, that's like one of your childhood experiences, right? Like, not for me, but for them. And so, like, that's tough to top. You know, when it hits at the right time, it's enough of a phenomena. I think that I think that's another good point. I didn't think about the time and place when it would hit. It's a good point. Last movie we'll talk about. This is one that we've mentioned in the past. Uh, Last Man Standing, starring Bruce Willis, Christopher Walken, and Bruce Dern. Have you seen this movie? I have. You have. Okay. It is. Uh, it is credited as a remake of Akira Kurosawa's Yojimbo, but we all also know it as the unauthorized <laughs> remake um, of A Fistful of Dollars uh, in Europe, which apparently had its own uh, litigation issues because it is a remake, but Europeans were like, well, we don't follow those laws. Um, considered a box office flop, uh, considering that it cost $67 million to make, but only made $20 million. I will say this. It was a swing for the fences to make it into like a 1940s gangster noir film. I will say that. Now, having watched both the originals that led to this, I can see why I'm as a fan of the originals. I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah it's OK. Um, people who had not seen the originals, though, they were like, yeah, it was poor acting. It was a lot of things that did not mesh for them. Now, for me, like I said, I thought it was fun just because it was it was a different genre to the other two, right? You go from samurai to western to 1940s gangster. I think that's awesome. Again, like, I remember the movie being fine. I remember Christopher Walken's character being cool with his uh, Tommy gun, just spraying and praying. Um, But, yeah, but every time I've watched that movie, I always think of, like, yeah, Bruce, you know, like, Bruce Willis did it good, but, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood did it better. Plain and simple. Do you think it suffered from trying too hard to recapture 
the previous iterations rather than using them as a stepping stone to be its own thing. Um, so I will say that I kept comparing because they definitely shot it exactly the same. So I will say that. So every time they did it, I was like, I definitely was like, oh yeah, he's getting beat up. He's recovering. That's just exactly what Clint Eastwood did, you know? Uh, exactly what what, uh, what Toshiro Mifune did. So I, I get that. So I, I think you're absolutely right. The fact that they didn't change it much. Like when you think of, uh, let's use the, the Magnificent Seven, right? The latest iteration with Chris Pratt and Denzel Washington. They did add and flourish to the story, mm-hmm. you know? So they changed it just enough where it didn't, there were moments where you're like, oh, this is no longer the original. Mm-hmm. Last Man Standing definitely felt like, oh, they took from both movies and created this one, while The, the Magnificent Seven created new lore uh, yeah, instead of adding adding to the two. So I will say that. I will say Last Man Standing took from both and tried to make something new. And I think that, that might have hurt them. Moving on to popular TV shows of 1996, you have ER... Seinfeld, Suddenly Susan, Home Improvement, and Touched by an Angel. Shows that ended in 1996. Gabe, I will play this for you. And within f- two seconds, you'll know what this is. But I, oh, that's such a great intro. Such a fantastic intro. You know, it's those theme songs where they told you the whole the whole synopsis of the show in the in the theme song. This was such a great fucking TV show, man. Such a great show. Did you watch the show? Were you allowed to watch the show? No, I did not. I did not see much of it. I remember bits and pieces that I got to see here and there, but never, never much of it. Damn. So yeah, first television series in the Ninja Turtles franchise, uh, on for nine years. Um, and I think most notably the voice acting of James Avery, Uncle Phil from uh, Fresh Prince as the voice of Shredder. So I, I was introduced to the Turtles with this TV show. Later on in high school, I learned about the Kevin Eastman comic book where in the in the TV show, right, they all have um, a color associated to their name, right? So Donatello's purple, Michelangelo's orange, Raphael's red, Leonardo's blue. In the original comic book, they all have red bandanas, and they don't have a, a letter, you know, in their belt buckle. Uh, so the original all looked the same, all wore red bandanas, like black and white. Uh, so you like. Anybody could have been anybody except for the for the weapons that they used. That's how you were able to tell them apart. Fantastic comic. If you ever have a chance to read it, phenomenal comic book. So when they made it kid-friendly, they were like, well, how are people going to tell them apart and things like that? And that's how they came up with the different colors and the different letters and, and everything like that. You know, since then, we've had, what, three movies in the 90s, I think seven TV shows at this point, two new movies, and they're still working on new movies. Like, it's a ridiculous, ridiculous. But this 1990, uh, 1985, no, 87 to 96 TV show was wonderful. I loved it. It was it was so good. 
Casey Jones, April O'Neil, like just just phenomenal. What they've been doing with the comics recently, too. Oh, my God, dude. The last Ronin, the Ninja Turtles last Ronin, one of the best comics I've read in the last five years. Huh. Fantastic. But, yeah, no, I used to love this TV show. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And and still, like, you know, you can you can look back here. Now, for those of you who aren't watching, I have a Ninja Turtles um, action figure. Uh, this is what they looked like in the comic book. They were all the same color. I love this. This is one of the best purchases I had. This is from a, a 1990. No, no, I'm sorry. 2002, I think. Run of the Ninja Turtles uh, action figures. Okay, next show. Ren and Stimpy. Do you know it? Did you watch it? I do know it. I got to see a little bit of it. This you were allowed to watch? No, I saw it later. Oh, okay. Not the, in its, <laughs> so in its element. Yeah, no. For sure, no. This ran for about five years. It's one of Nickelodeon's first original animated series. Um, I remember very dark humor, adult sexual innuendos, violence, a little bit of shock. And for those who haven't seen it, animation style was very unique and original. And it was a, it was a dog, a chihuahua, and a cat who were friends, Ren and Stimpy. And it was just their adventures. And um, and it was just from episode to episode, they had different different adventures. Like, it was it was very odd and weird and, and, and again, very shocking at times. But, but funny. But funny. And I remember Tenacious D, when they did their... Then they did a music video for one of their songs called Fucker Gently. Uh, they enlisted uh, the creator of this and uh, and it was it was phenomenal such a great great funny music video but yeah Ren and Stimpy uh, ended in 1996 another show that ended in 1996 after like 40 years The Mickey Mouse Club the variety television show did you watch The Mickey Mouse Club I feel like maybe old timey you might you might have been allowed to watch this uh, I don't recall it. I know the name. I know I've heard of it. I don't. I can't recall watching it though. Okay, but yeah, it was. It, it started in the 1950s, and it was just a variety show where they would, um, where they would do uh, music, dance numbers. They did like uh, educational segments. It was a. It was a wholesome TV show that carried on until the until the 90s, and I think it was it was rebooted later on. But in the in the 90s, though, you had a, quite the alumni of individuals that were part of the uh, Mickey Mouse Club. Most notably, uh, J.C. Chavez from uh, NSYNC. Justin Timberlake from NSYNC was a musketeer, as they were called. Britney a Spears. Mouseketeer, sorry. Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Carrie Russell. Freaking Ryan Goslin was a musketeer. I mean, you know. Sounds like they were... They were just churning out winners on that show. They were. Uh, actually, speaking of Mouseketeers slash Musketeers, I just noticed that Disney Plus added the Three Musketeers uh, as one of the new movies. And this is the Charlie Sheen, uh, Donald Sutherland, um, Chris O'Donnell version of the uh, of the Three Musketeers. Just putting it out there. I wonder if that's the one I, I recall one from. Uh, what year did that one come out? Uh, that's a great question <laughs> that I don't have an answer for. Ooh, that might be the one. I remember getting one from the library as a kid because I loved that story. 
interesting movie and watching. Very interesting. TV shows that ended in 1996. Uh, Superman, the animated series, ended in 1996. This was um, a uh, Steven Spielberg, Bruce Tim creation based on the success of Batman, the animated series. This was on from 96 to 2000. Bruce Tim being the artist, uh, character designer, animator, uh, producer, and voice actor. You know, best known for obviously the Batman animated series. And what led into the DC animated universe? Um, he co- he actually also co-created the Harley Quinn and Terry McGinnis characters. By the way, Harley Quinn for for the Batman animated series that did not exist before that, and Terry McGinnis from Batman Beyond. Did you uh, did you ever partake into the Superman the animated series? No. Again, uh, I want to say, especially especially prior to this time like television was was pretty limited like very little public television it was like pbs and just a little bit like looney tunes i don't know even know which channel that would have come on at the time but yeah i did not kick out or channel five kctv and it would have been like whenever those were on and that was it so like i saturday I, uh, mornings <laughs> right but at whatever time that happened and then other than that public tv was very limited so per- no didn't get to see it all right all right another tv show that started in 1996 was a show called spin city do you know or recall that show at all that sounds familiar okay on from 96 2002 created by bill lawrence uh, famous for the scrubs show later on it was a um fictional TV show about a new New York City mayor's office and Spin City was because they were part of the PR team that would spin the stories about the mayor and about what was going on. The first uh, half of the show was with Michael J. Fox as the uh, lead, but then his Parkinson's became a little uh, too much for him and he had to leave the show. And then Charlie Sheen, actually, he took over for the last two years. It was a funny show. It really was a funny show. I did like it. I remember specifically, I'm a huge fan of Richard Kind as the actor. And he was in it. Fantastic. Uh, but yeah, no, I remember good things about this show. It was funny. Very funny. Moving on to people who died. Now, Gabe, you'll know this person because of the old timiness of it. Mr. George Burns dies in 1996. Now, George Burns was a comedian, actor, writer, singer, and one of the few entertainers uh, who whose career went from radio into television. That's how old this guy was, okay? Let's and let's talk about the fact that he his career revitalized at 79 years old during uh, a comedy a comedy called um the Sunshine Boys, in which he won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Burns became a centenarian in 96, by the way. Oof. Yeah, that's how old this guy was. He was born in 1896. So he lived through the, the great... saw some things. First World War, the Great Depression, Second World War, Korean War, Vietnam War. Again, radio television black and white and color 
I remember him from the movies, the um, the Oh God, and then the Oh God, You Devil movies uh, from the 70s. That's what I remember him from. I also remember that he was a stand-up comedian that would still make a ton of appearances on TV shows and movies. Just ridiculous, dude. Uh, so shortly after his 100th birthday, Gabe, I think 10 days after his 100th birthday, uh, he had a cardiac arrest and he passed away. He... I remember him. Oh, go ahead. From, in part, I'm sure there was other things, but so on KNX 1070 at night, it was either 9 or 10 p.m., and it might have changed over time when they did it. They do their old-timey radio shows. And I remember hearing George Burns and Gracie Allen like radio show. That's insane. So, that's that's, insane. that's that's in part where I knew him from, and I remembered that. You just triggered that memory. So. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Continue. No, no, that's fine. So one of the things that I wanted to mention was because um, uh, George Burns, like he actually maintained pretty decent shape up until his hundredth birthday. Like he um, he exercised daily. He he did swimming. He did walks. He did sit ups. He did push ups. He. <laughs> this guy was very ostentatious. He bought a new Cadillac every year and drove until the until his 90s. And then he got a chauffeur to drive him around, right? He was interviewed for I forget what magazine, but I remember this too. Like in his 90s, I guess they asked him like how are you going to celebrate your 93 or your 95 91st birthday? And he's like I'm going to I'm going to have a double martini and smoke a cigar. Like he he smoked two to five cigars a day and drank two to five martinis a day until his hundredth birthday built different. I mean, they were built different back then. Anyway, George Burns dies at a hundred years old in 1996. I don't think you can be sad about that. No, you can't dude. Jesus. No, that man had a, a cauldron of wind. Okay. But, uh, and then on the opposite end, you have an individual who died at a very young age, a third, you could say, of the age of Mr. Uh, Burns, Bradley Noel. Does that name ring a bell? It does sound familiar. Uh, musician and lead singer and guitarist of the ska punk, I would say, band uh, Sublime. There it is. Southern California um you know, I guess you could say Southern California band. I mean, they made it throughout the U.S., but I remember living in Florida and people in Florida not knowing about Sublime. Yeah, it surprised me too. Just break it off and throw it into the ocean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's already it's already there. It just needs a little bit of a just needs a little <laughs> bit of a push. Uh, I remember growing up uh, listening to K Rock and around '94, listening to. Um, sublime, sublime, right? Uh, what I got, Santeria, um, Pawn Shop, you know, and then going back to Date Rape and all those fantastic songs that they had from their first album. It, you know, it, it Forty Ounces of Freedom. It's it, they're both phenomenal. Look, Forty Ounces of Freedom and and Sublime, Sublime, are are extraordinary albums. And yeah, I remember like there was. We, I think the album had just come out, and like weeks after it came out, he passed. Uh, he did, he did die at the age of twenty-eight from a, a heroin overdose. 
you know, he struggled his whole life with a uh, heroin addiction. Uh, he became sober when his son was born. But uh, unfortunately, like a year later, he relapsed and uh, was too much for him. His son now sings and he's in his early 20s, by the way. It's that's just insane to me. Uh, but yeah, no, I was a huge fan. Still a huge fan of, of Sublime. Such an amazing band. And it's unfortunate. The band still tours with a different uh, singer, Romeo, now. But um, but yeah, no, I remember uh, I remember being into this band and, and you know, uh, being very sad when he passed. Were you listening to Sublime back the in the day? Too. Not not in the not in. It would take me another probably eight years to 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 be listening to K Rock and listen to them. Oh, okay. But but I I I've definitely listened to them over the years. I definitely went back and found some of the songs um, nice. that maybe didn't get as much radio play. I remember finding Date Rape um, as well. Does every it's such a <laughs> it's a fantastic song. It's a fantastic song. Uh, moving on to, do you know the name Jack Churchill? No relation to Winston Churchill. Uh, I can't say that I do. He was a British Army officer who fought in the Second World War with a longbow, bagpipes, and a Scottish broadsword. I feel like I know the story, though. Nicknamed Fighting Jack Churchill and Mad Jack. See, like the second one applies for sure. <laughs> so, Mr. Churchill uh, joined the military in the in his twenties, got out of the military, ended up going to have an education, tried acting, and in 1940 ended up re-enlisting because of the war. Uh, so he fought in France, fought in Norway, fought in Italy in 43, Yugoslavia in 44. And that's when he was actually uh, captured as a POW. He, they were being murdered, and this dude was playing the bagpipes to throw, like, to basically like show the Germans that you know they ain't shit. Uh, eventually, a grenade knocked him unconscious <laughs> because of his as, last as name. As it does in television. As it does. <laughs> because of his last name, the Germans thought he was related to just to uh, to um, Winston Churchill. And he, that's actually what kept him alive, the fact that they needed to in interrogate him. He was uh, in a POW with survivors from the Great Escape. Uh, they did eventually escape the prison, but were caught. He stayed in, went to Burma, okay? And then um, after the war ended, he went into parachute school. Like, the dude did not know when to stop. He eventually became a fan of surfing in his 50s i believe and was like while he was an instructor for land and air warfare i uh, fell in love with surfing longboard surfing retired in 59 to 96 um died at the age of 89 years old just because you know he was old just thought i want to talk about, can't be uh, sad about churchill yeah no definitely just want to talk about him because he uh you don't get those a lot you don't get no. this a lot. Moving on to very quickly music. There is one song that to this day I still listen to all the effing time. Um, I appreciate the song because it samples one of my favorite uh, Motown slash, you know, 1970s, 60s artist, uh, Bill Withers. The song. 
You know what? I like the playoffs. No dickity, no doubt. Play on, play at. Play on, play at. Yo, Trey, drop the verse. It's going down, face of black street. The homies got. Do you know that song at all? No, but I like it. I put it down, never slouch. So. That's the thing about like I like about rap and I like about Dr. Dre. So that little section that are, mm, 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 it's a very small section in a song by Bill Withers called Grandma's Hands. Mm. And this guy heard it and was like, oh, that that is the beat for a, a whole nother song. And 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 you know, let's let's do a little bit of Bill Withers Grandma's Hands. So you can hear where it came from. You know, and it's just like, how do you hear that and then think, oh, I can make a whole song out of that, you know? You know, you hear that and then you're like, oh, uh, that sounds like. why i love rap music dude honestly it's that you know it's, it's hearing that little thing and being inspired by it and and a lot of the a lot of these current you know like rappers from the 90s and the 2000s were totally sampling from 60s 70s and 80s individuals you know if anybody has a chance look up um and i want to make sure i get the name right because i always think i know it uh but don't quite know it but the artist's name is Labby Sifre. If you look him up, um, Dr. Trey sampled them, Jay-Z sampled them, Kanye sampled them. And when you hear the original to what they use them for, you're like, oh my God, it's night and day. How the hell did you hear this? And then sample it to turn it into what the current hit is. It's it's incredible. Anyway, Black Street, yeah, no digging. Vision. Uh, so much vision, so much vision. Um, all right, and that is it for 1996. Gabe, let's do the something old, something new section. Um, I listen to podcasts every single day, but I would love to hear about what current podcast you're listening to and, and what they're about. Maybe give us a couple of recommendations. Yeah, so one that I just found... Um, I've been watching the YouTube videos for a while, but I was working out the other day and that makes it difficult to watch videos. And I thought, you know what? I want to listen to something a little bit more um, engaging than just music. And I started listening to Waveform, um, which is a podcast of uh, MKBHD is how he's professionally known, but uh, Marquez Brownlee. Um, so his little bio here says, an American YouTuber and professional ultimate frisbee frisbee player, best known for his technology-focused videos as well as his podcast Waveform. As of July fifth, twenty twenty-two, he has over sixteen million subscribers and over three billion total views. Jesus. Yeah, so he's pretty prolific. Um, I I've watched his videos for a while now, um, and he does uh, all kinds of technology stuff, like anything new, uh, hardware 
cell phones, laptops, earphones, like anything, you'll get an in-depth. And he's a very, very stylish, very high-quality videos. Like, they they stand out. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, – I didn't even know there was a podcast. I just thought I would check because he had a ton of YouTube videos. And sure enough, you know, he does. And it's an extension. I uh... – I'm very curious. I, I so I listen to podcasts every morning because I end every evening because I take my dog out for like a twenty thirty minute walk in the morning and then the same in the evening. So within a day, I can listen to a full hour long podcast. Yeah, and I have I have the few that I that I go through. Right, uh, I do uh, inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum, uh, Smartless, um, you know my Hollywood Babylon, uh, things you should know. Um, you know, the honeydew with Ryan Sickler, but I just found that Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown has been turned into a podcast. Has it? Yeah. And I was like, how would you do this? But then when I listened to one, I was like, oh, it's because that show has a ton of narration by him. So you technically don't have to see what he sees because he's Mm-mm. he's vividly describing everything as it goes. And then when he talks to somebody, they're very clear uh, in the interview sections of it. But for the most part, he's describing a lot of the things that he's doing. So it makes perfect sense that it could be turned into a podcast. So episodes are, you know, anywhere from 40 to 50 minutes. But That's yeah, fantastic. the entire series, I was like, this is actually kind of cool because i've revisited his tv shows quite a bit but having them uh, as a as a as a something to listen to it's actually a, a you know a nice little in-betweener i thought that was great yeah, no i just found uh, that though now i've gone and followed that there you go that uh, i can't get enough of his content yes exactly i think the only other other one i'll mention is another one i just recently found uh called the midnight miracle and it's um, it's uh, Dave Chappelle, uh, Talib Kweli, which is uh, um, most deaf, and Yasin Bey, and they are uh, the members of the uh, rap group Black Star from back in the day. But it's a very cool stylized uh, podcast where they do interview style, background, jazz, music, and and like samples and things like that. It's interesting. It's very cool, interesting. It goes from like a five-minute episode to a 20-minute episode. Jumps back and forth with the length of it. I think it's directly tied to the return of Black Star as a rap group. Doesn't matter. I'm I'm digging the style and I'm digging the the way that it that it's put together. So uh, I recommend that one for a podcast for anybody. Um, other than that, I think uh, I think that. That closes out 1996, Gabe. Any uh, any last lingering uh, thoughts on the year that we've covered in the last three episodes? You know, I uh, it's it's been perhaps a little thinner in some categories than others, but we've I mean, with the people who passed, there's there's some legends there that I didn't I didn't know about in terms of when they passed. I mean, so there's always something surprising, and every year we've done, there's been something that's that's been a surprise and and it's been interesting to learn about and you know i will say that i agree with you i think compared to some of the other years we've covered 96 luckily to a certain extent like uh content wise you're like it's a little thin but you're like but that might be good that not a lot of people died and that not a lot of things happened you know 
good movies came out, definitely. But uh, shows that started or ended, people who died, I definitely uh, had a good pick of them, but was not overwhelmed by the information that I needed to go through. So I will say 96 has been a good steady year that allowed us to also be able to venture out into different topics. Um, but, uh, but no, no, nothing, nothing bad about 96. I think that we have one year left as all of our faithful listeners know that's three more episodes. We're going to squeeze in one more episode between those three and one after before we go into our hiatus, uh, before we go into season two and, uh, we'll have an episode dedicated to what's going to happen then. Other than that, thank you for listening. Find us at, at @popculturehangfire on your Instagrams. And um, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>